When I talk to people about self-care, I always say, think small. A lot of times there's a tendency, we want to we wanna be very black and white, right? So this is work time and we work during work time and work, 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 work. And then we stop and have like three bottles of wine and a 90 minute massage, right? That's too much at once. That's not going to be helpful. Instead, it's a good approach to think about integrating ways of taking care of yourself throughout your entire day, throughout your entire life. And the tinier, tinier, smaller that your self-care behavior is, the more likely you are to be able to find a space for it. So a deep breath, you know, as all of us, all of the body people know, right? You want to like get into that rest and digest system and get out of fight or flight or freeze or wherever you are. And a deep breath will do that for you. And it takes how long? (sighs) I like to do, I, I like to do like a letting go of my muscles at the same time, if I can. Mental, I, I love the mental vacation. I, that's one of my favorites. I specifically think about having. Hey there, my friend. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in public health and neuroscience. I'm also your peak performance coach. I had to say no to working extreme long hours where I was always on call and feeling exhausted, underappreciated, and undervalued, and said, heck yes, to a life and career that elevates my energy and passion without compromising my health and sanity. Now, I'm among the mission to support ambitious healthcare professional like you with a demanding career to become a confident leader who are living purposefully and fulfilled to truly be both a powerhouse in your career and a passionate person in life. Let's start our journey today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Sabrina Rombach, your host for another awesome episode of the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. And today we have another exciting person with us, Dr. Dana. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on, Sabrina. Yeah. So Dr. Dana is a clinical psychologist and she is the business owner of Monarchy Wellness and Psychotherapy. She is in Washington, D.C., practices specialized in mind-body issues such as trauma, anxiety, depression, eating disorder, and couples. And she's also an author. Yay! We have something else in common. Those are (laughs) authors. And she wrote the book, Loving Somebody with Eating Disorder. So for anybody, we know food is such a major part of our life. And for you to really use food for healing, growth, instead of actually the reverse way of almost like punishing ourselves or escape, Mm -hmm. right? And so she has so much wise information on how you understand, how you support, how do you connect with your partners as well, right? And then Dr. Dana splits her professional time between speaking engagements, such like being here with us and writing. And she also supervises and with her practices, direct practice. She also has telemedicine practice. So I'm sure if you wanted to reach her, you can to get all her wise knowledges. We'll share more information about how to contact her later in the show. And she Mm -hmm. lives right now 
in Virginia with her husband and two kids and oh, enjoy yeah. hiking and knitting. So thank you so much for being here with us. Of course, of course. And thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. Yeah, this is amazing to be able to connect. We actually connected on a private practice conference for therapists. And then I was a speaker. And of course, me, right? My topic is always like, hey, how can I save more time and get more out of life, right? And she has these awesome topics, which we're going to focus on today on the part of trauma. Sometimes we don't even notice that we are feeling traumatic or feeling that we are affecting our lives in different way. Now, and actually part of the trauma response is the not noticing. The trauma response sort of you want to shut down your perceptions because it's all too much. And that includes knowing how deeply you're affected by the trauma. Amazing. Exactly. As healthcare professionals, we are all super smart. We took so many years and we learned, we gained experience. We were at the bottom of the barrel for so long. And now we're getting on top of things. And then, mm-hmm. so how do we truly learn to be better at not just crafting as a practitioner, but knowing every day is a human interaction. We can absorb some of the trauma from other people, even though we might be in a good spot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so let me ask you, do you have any stories that you have gone through with patients or even yourself that the trauma anxiety part become the specific topic you love to talk to people about? Hmm. Well, I do know a clinician who didn't realize that she was being affected by vicarious trauma until she was literally being wheeled out of her office on a gurney. And then she said, you know, I might be stressed out. What I like to think about also is I think about in my own life, the way that I behave and how I show up for people when I'm doing well, when I've had enough sleep and I'm properly nourished and I've moved my body as much as I can, you know, as much as feels good. And then I show up, you know, feeling generous and wholehearted and wanting to understand people. And then I think about the me that shows up when I'm tired when I'm sour on life, when I haven't been taking good care of myself. And that's when I'm nasty or rude or short or disengaged or a million different ways that I'd rather not be. So if you think about it that way, then it becomes clear, at least to me, that self-care is an ethical issue. It's not just about, I want to give myself bubble baths and do my nails. It's about, I have to take care of the little corner of the universe that is me. And that if I take care of myself, I'm taking care of that little piece of the world and everything that I touch and affect will be informed by that. I think especially healthcare professionals bump up against so much trauma and deal with so much pain that other people are holding and we help them hold it. But when we do that, we're also deeply affected by it. It can be easy to fail to recognize how you're being affected because in your mind, you think, oh, this it didn't happen to me. It wasn't my whatever. It wasn't my fire or abuse or neglect or whatever it is that a person deals with. And especially because we, it's not just one person. Usually we have an entire day that's full of painful stories and difficult issues, we can forget that we're just as likely to be affected by hearing those stories again and again as the people in front of us. 
part of the trauma response is to numb, to sort of dissociate yourself from what's happening. You're telling me about a horrible story, but I'm like doing my grocery list in my head. That's a trauma response. People don't think of it that way. People only think about, you know, I'm having flashbacks or I'm having nightmares, right? But really actually a feeling of being deadened in the face of the trauma is a trauma response itself. So it's very difficult to recognize because it's an absence of something. It's sort of like a I'm always having conversations with my husband about, I cleaned up. You don't notice that there's no jelly on the wall, but you would notice if it was there. <laughs> so I really think that as healthcare professionals, we do really well to take, obviously to take good care of ourselves and also to check in because we are very affected by the work that we do, especially in these days and times with COVID, all of the uncertainty and stressors that we addressing. Yeah, that's amazing. I think you hit on so many good points. We go through life, we feel like, oh, you know, we deal with a lot of things. We should know how to do this. We don't need to know another system or create anything, but we are just barely getting through things instead of actually learning some kind of method and system to put ourselves into a better spot. Now, a lot of my clients, I'm sure a lot of our listeners going to be in a spot where they're like, I did so much. How come I'm not getting to where I want it to be? Or I'm doing so much, some things start falling through the crack. I don't even know what's not working, right? Uh-huh. And that, I felt like that have a lot to do with this trauma response where you are taking on a lot of these negative things from your patients, from your team. You're not aware of it. You want it to be what? A good listener. You go support. You start absorbing all their weight into yourself. You start analyzing. You're trying to help. You're trying to give them a solution. But guess what? At the same time, you start experiencing those weight, right? So just like what Dr. Nana said, like I help clean up the jelly on the wall. My husband don't even see it. I preemptively took care of it, right? And your mind, you're going 10,000 miles per hour. And even we have that core support system, whether it's our colleague, friends, or family. But if we continue to be in a mode, I'm just offload all the stress to them. Guess what? They're also absorbing that negativity into their life. So why force ourselves to be in those spots if we can actually change both from our physical, mental well-being perspective so we can switch that part, right? And then that's why I call them these uh, mini mental vacations. I'm mm. so big on how can we even under two minutes be aware our body, our mind, our breath, intentionally pivot to think about something that's good or train our brain with these normal remodulating exercise so you can get to a better spot. So I would love it for you to share some of your tips, like how would people better recognize these situation and what they might be able to do about it? Okay. So the first thing, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't address what you won't notice, right? So the first thing is to Really ask yourself at the end of every day, how do I feel? At the beginning of every day, how do I feel? Do I hold tension in my body? A lot of times people go around holding tension in their body and they don't realize it. So it can be helpful to do just a body scan, like from my head to my toes. What's happening? Are my muscles clenched? Is my heart rate accelerated? Just noticing. And then I'm going to say when and not if, but when you notice that you are affected by the things happening around you, then you start engaging in real self-care. Now, when I talk to people about self-care, I always say, think small. 
a lot of times there's a tendency we want to we want to be very black and white, right? So this is work time, and we work during work time and work 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 work, and then we stop and have like three bottles of wine and a ninety minute massage, right? That's too much at once. That's not going to be helpful. Instead. It's a good approach to think about integrating ways of taking care of yourself throughout your entire day, throughout your entire life. And the tinier, tinier, smaller that your self-care behavior is, the more likely you are to be able to find a space for it. So a deep breath, you know, as all of us, all of the body people know, right? You want to like get into that rest and digest system and get out of fight or flight or freeze or wherever you are. And a deep breath will do that for you. And it takes how long? (sighs) I like to do, I, I like to do like a letting go of my muscles at the same time, if I can. Mental, I, I love the mental vacation. I, that's one of my favorites. I specifically think about having a place that you go to in your mind. Uh, it's also something we use when we're working with trauma, like a safe space. It could be the beach or something like that. And every time you go, you go to the same place. You've identified that as your place and you continue to elaborate it. Like there's one time you go and there's you really focus in on the waves. And the next time you go, there's seagulls too. And it helps to make this as multimodal as possible, right? So thinking about um, what you hear, see, smell, et cetera, but especially smell, if you can get work a scent in there. I mean, we know that, you know, that's hooked right into the limbic system. So you're more likely to be able to have a real relaxation response. Yes, those are so key, right? Even I presented on um, that private practice conference and what we're talking about, so my two minute mental is exactly what she was saying, right? Like noticing our breath, even when Hob, right? The Iceman himself, all the training about how much cold therapy help us, but it's still, you have to overcome that mentally, right? Just like any difficult situation we experience, it's all how we change our perspective, our attitude towards it, but we have to set our breath, set our own body into a state where we are open to receive all those greenness around mm-hmm. us. Otherwise, if we put up the wall, doesn't matter how much good practice we can learn, we're not going to do anything, right? So for your breath to think about actually what slows down our heart in medicine, we all know this is a release of the breath, right? It's not hyperventilating. A, Slow, right? deliberate yeah. exhale. It's slow, deliberate exhale. And that sense part of us, right? Like when you are concentrating on one of your scent, the touch, the smell, even just the air, when you're breathing in and out, you feel your chest moving up and down, your stomach expanding, right? And then the closest hearing, the furthest hearing sound mm-hmm. that you're, if you can you just sound like someone who's done some yoga nidra. <laughs> so all these things you can really incorporate into your body. And meditation is not something you really have to find a corner and do the 10, 20 minutes, set yourself into it. It's just allowing yourself to change the way what you're focusing on. And that's- Be present all. where you are whenever it's, you can. Exactly. And so the mind is one thing. And I know she also loves talking about and using food and using different exercise or sources to help us get there. So can you share with us some other resources that we can do? Sure. Well, all of this rests sort of, right? My other, the other area that I have a lot of specialty in is eating disorders and disordered eating and body image issues, which healthcare professionals are not at all exempt from. A lot of this rests on your ability to be present within your body 
And that in turn rests on your ability to have a positive relationship with your body. So many times we go throughout our lives thinking about our body from the outside in and from a really judgmental and almost hateful space really for many of us, right? Thinking about how we look, how do we look when we do this? How do we look when we do that? How do we look in pictures, right? As opposed to centering and anchoring yourself inside of your body and connecting to how do I feel? How does it feel to be me? And, you know, I think maybe healthcare practitioners know more than anybody, but tend to forget more than anybody that the Cartesian split, there really isn't a difference between our psyche and our body, right? So when you hate your body, you're hating yourself with a capital S. So I think that if I'm, I'm going to say again, I'm going to say when and not if, when there are body image issues, because in our modern society, I think it's impossible for anybody to really escape them, to be consciously fighting against those negative and critical voices about body is an important way to love your whole self. I totally agree. Is how do you love your whole self? Now, we in medicine, a lot of people are in scrubs. Some people have them clinic. Even in front of telemedicine, you still want to look professional. So that means some people go through the extreme of putting entire makeup, make sure your shirt is all done up, right? But at the end of the day, we're here for human connection. People coming to you seeking help, they're not in their best physical mental state. They mm-hmm. want someone who actually care enough to see what's going on in them and not just rushing through, okay, let's just tell me your problem and let me solve it for you. And then you're moving on, right? Yeah. So a lot of physical appearance, yes, we might want it to show ourselves as a professional, but it's not so important as the way that you ask questions, right? The way you lean into them, even through on camera still, from me being a international peak performance speaker on TV, on all different shows, it actually have that skills of how do you connect with people even through camera like this, right? Mm-hmm. And that means also important when you do it in person. I'm sure we all know this, body language has more than 55% of our language communication, right? And that is the tonality, the way that you say things, right? How you make people feel and not so much on the all the words. Yet people can't listen to every single word that we're saying, right? They're going to find out the things that they found funny. They found very odd. They found like, wow, enlightening, right? So can we be someone who's more aware of how we're showing up for people, right? I think that's the main thing what Dr. Dana is saying. Like, Mm. what about our center self, right? Not so much about just the body and the look. I often say that I'm, I'm less concerned about the what you do, like what you eat or don't eat or what you do with your makeup or don't do with your makeup than I am about the why of it. It's a very different experience to put on eyeliner saying, you know, I have lovely eyes and I'd really like to accentuate those today. I feel good about bringing myself forward in that way than to be like, oh, how can I hide all of my supposed imperfections? So almost you might end up with the same exact hair, makeup and things like that. And the emotional from which you approach it, not only obviously makes you uh, relate to yourself more successfully, but then you can be more anchored in your body. That makes you truly available for other people. 
Yes, yes. How much can we anchor ourselves to be available for other people? Right.、Uh, one of the common response when I ask people, "Why did you initially get into medicine to bring that part of them back?" Right?、Uh, because so as we go into our busy lives, endless patients, some people see twenty, thirty people a day. Right? Wow! Right? Like so much on you, and sometimes、yeah. it become that competitiveness. Oh, I can see this amount of patient. That means I'm more effective. But is that really effective, or are you just seeing a lot of people, right? How well you're connecting to them and to help them is different, and that reason behind not just oh I want to help, right? I want to make impact, but what does the impact bring for you? Why do you want to make that impact? How would that affect? Your life, your family, and your patient in a way, right?、Uh, if the more detail we can dive into that, why, as Dr. Dana said, then we're truly connected as our identity is now the outside validation. Outside, I have to show up for that expectation. It become more intrinsic. The funny thing is why say. What's your intrinsic value telling you? What that means? What does you telling you? And、mm-hmm. some people becomes like deer in the headlines. Like, what、yeah. does that mean? I think a lot of people don't know how to connect with who they really are and what they really want. And through no fault of their own, our society does not support that way of thinking very well. And there's often a lot. You know, a lot of the people I work with are extremely motivated. Very high achievers, and that they can get so caught up in achieving, and it does feel good that there's not enough time to develop a sense of who am I when I'm not achieving? Who am I when I'm not doing anything in particular? Who am I when I'm just looking out the window? What does it feel like to be me? To focus, and I think it's a lifelong endeavor for any one of us, right? To be able to see who am I being, as separate from what am I doing. Yes, yes. The being part instead of doing part, and we all know the most common question we always being asked since we were little is like, "What do you want to do?" Right? Yeah. And like yeah. even nowadays, when we network with people, new thing like, "So what's your name? What do you do?" Somehow the doing part is the way we identify all of us, and that actually is sense of we're judging people by what they do instead of saying. Hey, what's your name? What you about? Or what do you like? Right? And I like to, to say, what are you into? Tell yeah, me about you, tell me about the things that like rev you up. Right. Exactly. Hobby. It can be spending time with your kids, and you can get to know people when you have those conversations in such a multi-dimensional way. Now, some of us are really lucky that when somebody asks, "What do you do?" we are excited about it, and we can go on and on and on, and often do. But also, you know, I do other things besides this, right? Like I'm a whole person, and the more that we are whole people, the more we can, you know, as hard it is, and including right the imperfection of it's hard to be a whole person. You're really not most of the time. You're just always endeavoring. But then, in that endeavor, we can invite other people to discover themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's about collectively joining. Um, journey, creating journey, creating experience together, and see if we can have some kind of synergy. You even mentioned like having that whole person, right? And that's why for our speakers, I love it when they share all their wisdoms for us, for our listeners. And then we so appreciate all you guys for listening in. And we also ask our speakers to take that quick three minutes assessment. 
what is your number one killer in creating your own harmony balance in your life, right? We all know there are 10 different key components, but it's hard to keep up with all of them. And because they're not necessarily need to be in balance. That's why I call them harmony. So Dana, when you took the quiz, what did you thought about it? Anything you would change? I thought it was actually so helpful. I, if you had asked me verbally, really like, you know, think about all the domains in your life and how they're going. I think I might've, um, I might've said something different than what came up for me, which is like my social life is tanked. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic. There are multiple reasons for that. I have a six month old and a three month old, but you used to be able to take them to the playground and talk to the person next to you. And that's not a thing anymore. So I'm realizing that for myself, I have got to take more active and concerted efforts you know, Heather, I know you hear me to be talking to my friends more, (laughs) to be texting and just more connected, you know, and the work that we do, like at the end of the day, I've spoken already to so many people. Sometimes I think the thing I need is just some quiet and some time alone, but looking at that assessment, actually, I'm doing okay in that dimension. What I really need is to have more like reciprocal conversations and talk about how I'm doing. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, thank you. So it's like an intentional conversation for you and that connection. Mm -hmm. And despite that, we can be talking all day, right, with patients or clients and our our different. It's, I mean, you're, you're, you're very present in both ways, but different parts of you are present and different parts of you are activated and they're all important. Exactly. And that's so crucial when you think about like what I want. I'm there to serve, I, but I'm a human at the end of the day. Fill so my own tank, my own battery system. So then- you can't pour I, from an empty cup. Yeah, exactly. I always tell people that. And then I, <laughs> and then I look at my cup and I say, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely sometimes it's easier said than done, but the more we are aware and then we can do something about it. And even in that endeavor, right? Like the more that you can have some compassion around, of course, I'm not done on a mountaintop 24 seven. That's a part of it too. Yeah, amazing. So before we wrap up, how could people find you if they wanted to reach out or anything? Oh, wanted to okay. I, um, I have some answers for that. I don't know all of our social media handles. I'm going to admit that right now. But our main thing is monarchwellness.com. It's monarch like the butterfly. M-O-N-A-R-C-H. W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot com. And you can reach me there. My book, again, is Loving Someone with an Eating Disorder, Nurturing and Connecting with Your Partner. Those words are all, I mix them up sometimes. But that's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and things like that. And um, I really, I, I love to be connected. If you go to our website, I'm sure you can get to our social media. Eventually, I shared with Sabrina that I'm a technophobe. So I think about what we're putting out on there, but don't do much of the actual putting it on because I hate to be in front of the computer much. But certainly uh, that website. I also am at Dr. Dana Heron at monarchwellness.com is my direct email. Um, that's D-R-D-A-N-A-H-A-R-R-O-N at monarchwellness, like I spelled it before, .com. Amazing. And all of those going to be in the show notes. And thank you everyone for listening in, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening on a podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback because we want to know how can we continue to serve you, what you love about this episode, and anything that you wanted to really connect with, highlighting, we'd love to hear your stories. So leave a review, comment down below, 
uh, on iTunes or just reach out to us. Uh, we're always there to be with you. So thanks everyone for joining us. Until next time. Bye. All right, my friend. How did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more question on actually how do I implement those things into my own life. Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside. The private Facebook group. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash powerful passionate, where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have, and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate, where you no longer working on any mundane work. And truly focusing on the things that matter, you can be both powerful and passionate, where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate, where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me, and together we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.